morning. We're excited that you're here today. I want to welcome those of you that are watching online. We are excited that you're along for the ride today and believe that God is going to, I believe God's got a word for you. God has a word for me. God has a word uh, that he wants to speak today. And so we have the privilege and the honor of having a good friend of ours uh, in town with us today. And uh, uh, he serves in a role that we call as a church an overseer. And so he serves on that board with us. And uh, we're just super grateful for him. We got to hang out with him and his wife. And uh, I believe that God wants to speak something special and specific to you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God can take a word and that he can make it personal for you and he can touch your life with it? And I believe God wants to do that today. So come on, will you put your hands together and help me welcome to the stage, Doug Reed. Man. Hey, you guys. Hey, let's give it up for your pastor. Don't you love pastor? Wow. Well, excited to be with you guys. I think I was here back in May, and uh, Gabe and I got to talking, and I, my daughter actually graduated uh, with her master's degree in clinical uh, counseling from North Texas University on Friday. So we were already in the area, and it's fun to come over and be with you guys. I mean, you know God's up to good things right here. Amen. And uh, we're, we're excited about all that he's doing. And I want you to understand that this doesn't happen everywhere. I mean, there's some great churches, of course, that God's doing great things in. But for one to be birthed and to see so much life in just the first few years, like you guys have seen, it's really a rare thing. And we're just privileged to be involved with it. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with my ministry, I... I run a ministry called Partnership International. I also speak in conferences around the country uh, and in different parts of the world. I just wrote my first book that I'll tell you about here in a minute. And uh, God has been blessing our ministry. But we take all that influence and we use it for missions. Our, our missions ministry this year, uh, we took 17 teams to some of the world's most poorest environments. We had over 300 people go on those teams. In fact, you guys were one of those teams. And uh, we saw, saw about $140,000 come through our ministry just to do project work in these environments. And we probably did about a half a million dollars worth of work with that. And you guys are a part of that. You know what the Bible says? Proverbs 31.8. It says that we should ensure justice for those that are being crushed. And we should speak for those that can't speak for themselves. And so if God gives you influence, if he gives you a voice, you should take all of that influence and use it for people that don't have influence. Amen? And that's what we plan on doing in the coming years. And so we're excited you guys are involved with that. In fact, next year, you, your church is committed to go with us to Central uh, America, to the wonderful country of Belize. We are working in a little area called Unitedville. And we actually just finished a boys' home there that's rescuing boys off the streets. And you're going to get to see all of that and be a part of that. And uh, we had kind of a small team from you guys last year. And I'd like to see that change this year. And maybe 20, 25 of you come. Who'd come to Belize if we paid your way? Anybody come if we paid your way? See, I just got you because, I mean, you know that if God calls you, he will pay your way. Amen? Amen? And, and it's funny because we pay for the stuff we really care about, right? So, so I, I'd encourage you, if you've never been on a short-term trip, the applications will be coming out at the first of the year. Uh, pray about it. Come be a part of it. I'm going to be on the trip and would love to. Uh, you just see me in a different way, I promise you. If you like my preaching here, come on a missions trip with me because I go for the juggler on missions trips. So, so uh, 
So anyway, we'd love to have you on that. I also wanted to tell you about this. This is my new book. It actually, uh, my publisher is launching it on January the 7th, so you can't even get this until after the first of the year, except for I brought a case with me this morning. And uh, we just got this a few weeks ago. I, I would just say it like this to you. Uh, this is my manifesto on restoration. I worked on this for two years. Uh, I put over 1,000 hours into this book. Uh, if, if God speaks to you this morning, I, I put six hours into the message this morning. I put a thousand hours into this. And I would love uh, to sit down in front of a fire with you this winter and just talk about how God has a better life for you. Amen. And I can do that for each and every one of you in the form of my book. Uh, I, I am broken about it. I know God is really going to use it. I wrote it to a 20-year-old version of myself, somebody that had come to Christ, but they're tied up in knots, and how could God ever use me? And look at the life that I've been able to live. And this is my story of restoration transferred to what's going to be your story of restoration. Amen? So uh, we would love to get this into your life. If we sell out, we can we can pre-order and send. we'll have copies to you next week. But uh, uh, I'll sign them. I'll personalize them this morning as long as there's time and would love for you to visit the table and get that as well. Uh, also, if you like the message today, this is my only chance to preach to you today. Uh, there's a series on my table called The Deeper Life, and it would be a great follow-up to what I'm sharing with you this morning. Well, I'll, if you have a Bible, why don't you open up to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We're going to be in a lot of different places, but we're going to look in Ecclesiastes quite a bit. And the title of today's message is Embrace Your Season. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, you're going to embrace your season. Uh, now, uh, as, as I get started today, I want to confess an addiction to you. Uh, I, I, I have an addiction uh, to Alaska TV shows. Is there anybody else that has this same addiction? Apparently, if you live in Alaska, they will make a TV show about you, and then I have to watch it because I, it seems to be I'm becoming my father, I think. And my favorite Alaska TV show, it's the most popular show on cable, it's called Gold Rush. Anybody ever seen it before? And it's based around, in fact, all the Alaska TV shows are based around the seasons. Basically, they have a very short summer in the Yukon, and if they don't get the gold out of the ground in that little short window, well, then everything's going to freeze over and you won't get the treasure out. Now, in that, I not only find a physical reality, but I also find a spiritual principle. What I know is this, and the Bible teaches this over and over again, and we're going to prove it this morning, that if we don't embrace the season we're in, if we don't get the treasure out of the ground, if you will, in the season we're in right now, how many of you know not everything lasts forever, right? You have to work with God in your season. When I wrote this particular message, I was thinking about how it is human nature that most of us devalue where we are because we are over-focusing on where we want to be. Somehow we don't embrace the now because we're so focused on the later. Now, I can tell you this. God has given each of you a divine destiny, and I believe that with all my heart, but that destiny is attached to a divine timing. I want to be in the timing of God. How about you? I have a friend that owns an apple orchard, and I asked him one day, I said, hey, how do you know when an apple is ripe? And he said, when you walk up, and you just don't have to put any pressure at all, you just barely touch it, and the apple will come off in your hand. But if you have to pull it, if you have to put pressure on it, then what, what was supposed to be sweet is going to end up being sour. I, I, I don't want anything sour in my life. Neither do you. Amen? 
Now, I have a calendar, and my calendar I have to obey because I live in this world system, but God's plan for my life doesn't work like a calendar works. The way God's plan works is one season at a time. The smartest man to ever live in Ecclesiastes 3.1 wrote this. He said, for everything, everybody say everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. So God's plan for you and I, there it is revealed to us one season at a time. And, and, and your destiny is very much connected to your season. Now get this in your spirit. The plans and the purposes of God in your life are fully dependent on whether or not you embrace your season. And when you fail to embrace your season, you actually short circuit the plan of God for your life and you end up unprepared for your next season. So God doesn't accomplish his purposes all at once, but he does it in a holy rhythm. He does it from season unto season. Now, this is one of the earliest principles taught in scripture. The Bible says in Genesis 8:22 that while the earth remains, seed Time, harvest, cold winter, uh, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. In other words, God has promised that as long as there is an earth, there will always be seasons. Now, the reason why this is frustrating to us is because we know just from experience that the way it works is more like this. It is seed, time, 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 time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some more time. And even more time, and then eventually you get to what? You get to harvest, right? Now, see, I'm not much of a gardener because I'm impatient. In fact, I tried to plant a garden about 10 years ago, and I read the side of the miracle Grow box, and it said that if you put, like, a cup in, you know, it would help it grow. I thought if you put the whole box in, you understand what I mean? I ended up trying to rush the process, and I killed the garden. That's not the way it works. No, God is saying that there are seeds of greatness in your life, and you have to commit to this time thing so that eventually you can get to the harvest. So God has established a system of seasons, and we have to work within his system, sow and reap from season unto season. The God we serve, come on, get this in your heart, is a God of seasons. To embrace your season is to embrace him. Now, you may not know this about me, but uh, I'm a bit of a closet redneck. Uh, I I don't look like it, but I deer hunt every fall, and I, I just I, I save my camo for the woods. But but uh, uh, I, I actually hunt in a place in central Illinois that is just deer heaven. It's about 20,000 acres of corn surrounded by about 1,000 acres of timber, and they grow really big deer there. And, and, and the farmer that owns that property, he is a very wealthy man because of his incredible farm. In fact, he has a tractor that is worth over a million dollars. Even I think his tractor is sexy. I can tell you right now. I mean, <laughs> I love that joke. I do it everywhere I go. And, and uh, and I just want you to imagine something, because they just had harvest time. I was just up there, and they just had harvest time. And, and, and they had an incredible harvest. In fact, he's spending his winter in Florida, because he's such a wealthy guy. And, and, uh, but I just want you to imagine. I want you to imagine that he decides that he doesn't want to wait until next fall to have a harvest. He doesn't want to work with his season any longer, because what they just did was they plowed it all under, because it's about to be winter, right? And they're waiting until spring. Let's just imagine that he forgets that and says, no, I want a season sooner, and he goes ahead and he plants right now. 
How many of you know you can't grow corn in central Illinois in December, right? He would go from having a great harvest to having no harvest at all. See, see, if you don't work with your season, you won't ever get to the harvest. A big harvest requires a faithful season. Now, uh, uh, about uh, three or four months ago, I took my beautiful wife, Jeannie, who will be in the next service, uh, to Hawaii. I saved up my miles. It's our 30th wedding anniversary, and she has decided to keep me for a minimum of one more year. It's amazing. We we renewed the contract. That's that's a joke, by the way. And, and, and uh, so anyway, we went to Hawaii, and, and I, I was watching the surfer surf, and, and I noticed something about 15-foot waves. I noticed that if they hit the wave just right, that it would give them a wonderful ride. But if they were too early or they were too late, and you know what I'm talking about, the thing that was going to bless them actually would crush them, could actually kill them. See, you got to work with your season like a surfer works with a wave, amen? you got to be on time so that God can bless your life. You are called to work with your season, and to fight against your season is actually to fight against God himself. Now, why is it so hard to embrace the season that we are in? I don't know about you, but I always seem to want the next season. It always seems like my current season is tougher than what I imagine my next season will be. It's just human nature, isn't it? When you're old, you want to be retired. When you're young, you want to be old. When you're single, you want to be married. When you're married, well, you hit the lottery, man. Everything's awesome when you're married. <laughs> Sorry, my wife is in town. So the simple truth is we rarely embrace our season. And, and, and Paul even talked about this. He said, I have learned to be content. In other words, contentment isn't something that becomes natural. It's something you have to learn, isn't it? Now, now. I, I can tell you this, and, I, and I'm not really saying this is bad because I've, I've been guilty of it, but this, this language in the church is always future tense. Everywhere I go, it's always God is up to something new. God's going to do a new thing. God, uh, uh, God is going. God is about to bring you into a new season. God, God, God is uh, going to take you to another level. You understand what I mean? Now, my only pushback on that, and I've been guilty of saying that, but but my only pushback is, what about this level? Amen. What, what, what about right now? What about the field you're in right now? See, God is not just the God of the new. God is the God of the right now. And, and, and now is the time. Amen? I mean, I'm excited about the new year, but I got three more weeks left in this year. Amen? I want to be faithful in the moment I'm in. So now is the time. This is good soil, and you've got a good harvest coming. The Bible says in Proverbs 13:12 that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but, but a dream fulfilled is the tree of life. Now, now, here's my question. Why do we always defer hope? Man, Pastor Doug, it's going to be great when I get there. It's going to be awesome, man, when God does this or that. No, God is with you right now, amen? Psalms 23 says that God will make a table for you in the midst of your enemies. 
you, you, you look at that in the Hebrew, it gives like a gladiator-type battle scene. And like, who could even survive that? And what the Bible is saying is right in the middle of the chaos, God comes down. And I picture like white linen tablecloth and waiters and candles. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, what God is saying is, I am bigger than the chaos in your life. And I can do something right now in the field you're in right now. I, I had never seen this verse, Pastor Gabe. It's, it's Ecclesiastes 7.14. I don't know how I missed it. But it says this. It says, when times are good, be happy. When times are bad, consider this. God made one as well as the other. Wow. <laughs> when times are good, rejoice, of course. But when times are bad, consider God could be in your moment right now. So God is in the season you're in right now. Why not embrace your season? Ecclesiastes 3.6, there's a time to search and there's a time to quit searching. I think many of us, we need to quit searching and embrace our moment. And if you do that, two things will happen. One, you will find that there is beauty in your season. And two, you will stop envying everybody else's season. Now let me break this down for you. We Americans, we have this strange thing that we do. Nobody else in the world really does this. But we love to go visit everybody else's season, right? Now, here in Texas, it's not as predominant because you guys just have boring weather all the time, right? Just same weather, it seems like. But where I live in Missouri, it gets cold in the wintertime. So I want to go to Florida in the winter. And, I, and one of my partner churches is now in Montana. And I can tell you Montana is beautiful in the summertime. But you don't want to be in Florida in August, and you don't want to be in Montana in February. You understand what I mean? In other words, listen, you can't know the burden of somebody else's season until you're actually in that season. Uh, Solomon said this. He said, he said, I have seen the burden that God placed on all of us. See, every season has a burden that you cannot know until you're in that season. And, and by the way, when people show you their season, like Facebook or whatever, don't you know they're cleaning it up? Amen? I, I don't know about you, but I use the filters, you know. I mean, I mean, I show you the highlight reel. In fact, I think it's unhealthy to process the bad stuff on social media. You know what I'm saying? So, so I have people, oh, you're in another place. Wow, you're in Texas. This, wow, you're there next week. Well, listen. You haven't traveled like I've traveled. You understand what I mean? If I never go to another hotel, never get another plane, I would be a happy man. I promise you. It is not glamorous. It's just my calling. It's just my season. And you cannot know the burden of that season unless you're in it. The second thing you'll find out, i got to back off a little bit. My voice is tired. Is that there is beauty in your season. Now, now listen, when you finally embrace your season, something is going to happen. Your season will become beautiful. The Bible says, Ecclesiastes 3.11, that God has made everything beautiful in its own time. Now listen to this. And he has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of what God is doing from the beginning to the end. And, and what, what, what is he saying? He's saying you've got to stop looking at your season like it's not attached to eternity. Just because you can't see the whole scope of what God is doing from beginning to end doesn't mean that your season isn't beautiful, that God isn't up to something that you can't see. Amen? And by the way, if God showed you everything, then where's the faith in that? And the only way you can please God is to have faith. So listen, I, just very quickly today, just give you something to take home. There are four things 
you can do with your season. Number one, first thing you can do is you can discount your season. Now, anybody have little kids in the room? You know what I'm talking about, little toddlers, whatever. Now, I, I have a little grandson at home. His name is Sawyer. And I want you to imagine, he's eight months old. I want you to imagine I went up to Sawyer when I got home, and I said, Sawyer, how come you don't have a job yet? I, I mean, come on, man. I buy all the diapers. We pay for all the food, you know. I mean, Sawyer, why, you, know, you know, we have to carry you around. I just carry groceries in. You can't even carry heavy stuff. I, I don't, why aren't you driving yet, man? I got to drive you. That would just be stupid, right? No, no, no. You celebrate the season he's in, amen? And, and the funniest thing with babies is they will do nothing, and we are so impressed, right? So I, I see it in his eyes. He's like, I don't even know what I did, but I know you like it. You know, it's just like, I mean, they poop and we clap. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? We, we are celebrating the season they're in. Why? Because that's what we do for one another. If I said to this room in front of you publicly, if I said, you know what? I'm having the hardest season I've ever had. And you had the chance, every one of you, to, to, to counsel me. I bet 99% of you would say something like, oh, Pastor Doug, man, God's up to stuff you can't see. Wow, I mean, come on, you know, you know, be faithful because he's going to get you through this. There's big things happening in your life. Look at what he's done. In other words, you would encourage me. Here, here's my question. How come you celebrate everybody else's season? How come you are so graceful to everybody else's season, but you don't show any grace to your own? The, the Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. you got to stop acting like your season is never going to be beautiful. You, you know what separates people of faith from everybody else is how they talk about their season. Hmm. Meet the average guy on the street and find out what's going on, and I promise you if they're having a bad time, you're going to hear about it in living color, Right? But if you meet a person of faith and they're going through a hard time, you got to talk about your season as if there is a God in your life. Amen? The Bible says, Proverbs 18.21, that words have the power of life and death. How you speak about your season determines how you will experience that season. Now, now I'm not trying to be hard on you because I believe that God loves you with all his heart. But I want to tell you something about God. I think we believe that if we are just frustrated long enough, that God is going to do something about our situation. Man, I mean, I raised my frustration level, level today in my prayer time. I know God's going to move. I got bad news for you. God loves you and he doesn't want you frustrated, but frustration has never moved the hand of God, not even once. Because actually frustration is anti-faith. What is frustrating? I'm in this situation. I don't deserve it. I don't understand it. I don't even think I can get out of it. Where's the faith in that, my friend? The Bible says, Hebrews 11:6 that what pleases God is faith. God looks down on children that are going through a tough season. He says, will you have faith? And if you will, he will bless you in the midst of your season. <clears throat> Not every season is beautiful all the time. Even supermodels have ugly middle school pictures. <laughs> I was going to bring mine, but I would have scared you, you know. No, no, no. Be faithful in your season. Better seasons are coming, amen. The best is yet to come. 
but be faithful in your season. Number two, you can you can discount your season, or number two, you can miss your season. I, I we have we have a restaurant in Kansas City. We have a bunch. We have 150 barbecue restaurants, and I'm in Texas. I know, but I, I love you all, and let's have some barbecue. But I love me some Kansas City barbecue. And my favorite restaurant in Kansas City is a restaurant called Jack Stack, Jack Stack Barbecue. You can order it, whatever. And there's, there's about six of them. And, and last year, they opened up one in our town. I probably ate at this restaurant 200 times. So I was pretty excited when they opened it up. And, and I went there, and they gave me one of the pagers. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody hate the pager? First off, just text me. And secondly, I don't want to wait. I want some barbecue. You know what I'm saying? And so I noticed that right by the restaurant, right across the street, there was a Target. So I decided instead of waiting, I would go get my Target on while I waited for my pager to go off. Anybody know what I'm saying? And so I was in Target. My pager went off. I went back about a half hour later. Everybody seated except for me. And I said, hey, my pager never went off. And the lady looked at me and she said, did you go to Target? She, she's seen this before. I said, "What is this target you speak of? I don't, I don't, I don't, even, I don't understand." In other, in other words, get, get what I'm saying. I, I, I went so far away from my signal that I missed my season. Now, now he won't say it out loud, but I know what Pastor Gabe's thinking because he thinks it every time I come. He's thinking, "How does Pastor Doug get better looking every time he comes?" He's thinking that right now. You can see it, you know. Now, now, I want you to imagine, he wants to say this to me because he wants to bless me, but he whispers it. He's like, Pastor Doug, you're good. Look, he's whispering. And I'm way over here, so I can't hear him. You understand what I'm saying? So in other words, if I want to hear him, I got to do what? I, I, I got to get close. Did you know the normative way that God speaks to us according to Scripture is not in a shout, but it's in a whisper? So, so I don't want to miss anything in my season. So I need to be close to the king. Amen. Third thing you can do, this gets worse and then it gets better, is you can kill your season. We, we, we lived in a house up until about three years ago. Now we live in a different one a mile away. But uh, our old house, right on the property line, it had this beautiful apple tree. And this apple tree every year would have such a great harvest that limbs would break off. And it actually wasn't on our property. It was about a foot onto our neighbor's property. But all the, the limbs, a lot of the limbs were on my property. So a lot of apples would fall in my yard. And how I many you know apples in my yard are my apples? I'm trying to tell you I stole some apples. That's what I'm trying to But 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 anyway, we look forward to it every year. And it was about five years ago that my neighbor went out just as they were budding. Looks like it was going to be a banner harvest. And, and he took some spray. I don't know what he had in there, but he sprayed all the buds. And I thought to myself, wow, man, he's probably putting fertilizer on there or something. We're going to have it even bigger. And instead, within a day or so, those buds dried up. And in fact, as far as I know, that tree has never had a harvest since. And I asked him, I said, what did you do? How, why did you do that? He said, oh, I got tired of dealing with the harvest. I don't ever want to get tired of dealing with the harvest. And, and, and he killed the harvest. Now, 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 I wish I had something more brilliant to say here, but let me just say it straight. You can have your sin or you can have your season, but you cannot have both. Sin is an assassinator of seasons. And I am afraid that so many times we are like, oh, I'm just in the wrong position, wrong time, and God doesn't love me and all that. 
when the whole time we've got two or three or just one even will do it. Pet sins that we hold on to, and we want the harvest, but we want our sin too. Do you know, the best example of this in Scripture is Judas. Judas, dare I say, was having the greatest season that anybody's ever had. He was one of 12 men that got to walk hand in hand physically with Jesus. Wow. Literally got to talk with God. You want to know the will of God? You just ask Jesus because he's God, right? Amazing. But he sells his season for 30 pieces of silver. He wanted his greed and his season at the same time. But you can't have it. The Bible says that Moses chose to suffer with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. Amen? I don't want sin to kill my season, and I don't want it to kill yours either. And finally, the last thing is this, is that you can maximize your season. I want you to understand that every season is a unique opportunity. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.16 to make the most or maximize every opportunity because the days are evil. In the King James Bible, it actually says redeem the time or the season. So I guess what I would say is what are you waiting on? Pastor, I'm really going to serve God and be faithful in the next season. I'm sorry, that's not the way it works. This season actually holds the keys to your next season. The parable of the talents. If you're not faithful in the little, then why would God bless you with the lot? David was put in a shepherd field on the outside of Bethlehem, forgotten about by his own family, and yet the Bible says he was faithful in a time when nobody was watching and nobody knew his name. And during that season, a season of anonymity, he developed a weapon called a sling. <laughs> and that weapon would actually hold the keys to his next season. Do you, do you understand what I mean? You, you have to be faithful when nobody's watching. And if you are like that, then perhaps one day God will let you serve him while everybody is watching. In my, in my own life, I, I, uh, when I was 16 years old, I came to Christ and don't come from a Christian family. Led my entire family to Christ. And uh, nobody in my family had ever graduated from college, flown on a plane, you know, any of the stuff I do. And I've, I've graduated from college. I've been all over the world. And uh, my family's shy. I speak publicly for a living. <laughs> I mean, you know, God knows who you are, right? But when I first got saved, I'd built this little bench in shop class. It was a little about, about yay high. And, and, and I, I don't know, just somebody, somebody had said, you know, you need to pray. And so I, I put it down in the little corner of my basement bedroom, and I, and, and I spent time with God at, at what I called my prayer bench. Nobody knew about it. Nobody knew my name. Nobody was asking me to come preach. I had no idea I would write books or any of the things I do now. But I spent time with God at that bench. And when I was about to go off to Bible college, I thought, well, my mom would probably like this. And I picked it up. And when I did, the shadow that was covering up the floor lifted and I saw that I had went from the, all the way through the carpet down to the concrete my knees had in front of that bench. And that image is burned in my head. That was my shepherd field. You understand what I'm saying? That was my time to be faithful when nobody was watching. Why? Because if you're faithful in this season, because there will never be enough. Listen, I long for times when there's no demands on me now. 
But back then, nobody had any demands except for the king of the king. And I believe that the reason why he allows me to be known publicly is because I was faithful privately. That's what God wants for your life. So I guess I would say, what are you waiting on? Embracing your season is all about adding action to your faith. Stop talking about it and start doing it. Now, now, now the Bible says that, and Jesus said this in four Gospels. He said it sums up the Word of God. He said, uh, he said, we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. Anybody know the last one? All of our, all right, do one of these with me. I can't do it too hard because my shirt will fly off, but, 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 uh, but just, just like, you know, like, like that. I like this jacket, so I can't. Anyway, the, so what am I trying to say? I, I, I meet Christians all the time that I believe they, they, they really genuinely, they try to love God with their heart, with their soul, with their mind. They even take a stab at loving their neighbor with themselves or, or as themselves. But I very rarely meet a Christian that I'm like, that dude, that lady, Man, they are loving God with all of their strength. It's part of why I love mission trips. Because I can put you in a closed environment and against your will make you love God with all your strength for a week. <laughs> just to let you see what that might feel like. Now, now it's, just been, it's just been in the last few months that the Lord let me start telling this story. But uh, you guys may or may not know, but I pastored a church for seven years. I traveled for about eight years, and then I pastored a church for seven years. And before that, I youth pastored for 12 years. And three years ago, a little over three years ago, about three and a half years ago, God began dealing with me about resigning my church. It was successful and going back on the road full time. It was about May that Jeannie and I did a prayer trip, and the Lord really told us what to do. And then it got to July, just a little over three years ago, and the Lord spoke to me while I was cutting my grass one day because I remember I was in my backyard and I'm thinking to myself I'm going to resign my church in a month and I was imagining that the church would pay me I thought my last Sunday will be in September I don't believe in long, long breakups and 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 uh, and I thought the church would pay me severance for a couple months which they did and so I was thinking in my head as I was cutting my grass I was going over all the pastors I know and thinking man I need to book up my fall because I'll get paid by the church and I'll travel it'll be a great way to start my new ministry and the Lord spoke to me while I was cutting my grass. And he said, uh, said son, it's not going to be that way. And I said, what do you mean, God? The, I know all these pastors. They love me, and I'm going to book up my services. And, and he said, no, no, no. You're thinking I want to bless your past. He said, but I don't want to bless your past. I want to bless your future. He said, I, it's okay that you have those friendships, but I've called you to new relationships. And then all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me about writing my book and a number of other things. And then... It was like he put a set of those goggles on me, you know, those, 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 those 3D things. And all of a sudden I saw this vision, and it was a vision of an unplowed field. It was a weird vision because all around it were, were fields that were growing, straight rows, beautiful. Somebody had farmed it. But this particular field, if you were going to pick a field, this would not be the one you wanted. Because it had rocks and trees and stumps and briars and snakes. and It was terrible. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, son, you've been praying for a new harvest for a while, but if you want a new harvest, you have to plant a new field. And then the vision went away. 
And then, and then in the next week or so, the Lord gave me what, what I, I won't bore you with it, but five areas of my ministry, almost like five spark plugs in a car that I would work on. One of them was writing my book, and, and he spoke to me, and he said, it's going to take you three years, three years of faithfulness, three years of things not being 100%, three years of you serving me even when you're not seeing, seeing all the results. And at the end of three years, you watch all five of these areas are going to be running. Well, we went into the fall. And the Lord spoke to me about taking a sabbatical. So for three months, I sat around and did nothing, which I hated, but I needed it. And then January 7th, almost three years ago, we started our new ministry. And I can tell you this. We have loved God with all of our strength for the last three years. I've become an author. This year alone, I've been on the road 200 days, about 100 of those overseas. We have been in some of the poorest environments in the world. I can't even tell you, and I won't tell you because it's not your burden, but what we have been through in the last three years, but we have been faithful. January 7th, it will be three years. My publisher, without asking me, decided to launch my book on January 7th. I mean, you know, God knows stuff, amen? And Jeannie and I, in October... In October, we were talking, we were driving to a church to speak, and we were talking about the faithfulness of God and how he's even increased our income and just the whole bit. And, 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 I, and I smiled, and I said, well, we haven't even got to harvest time yet. Now, you can call me crazy if you want, but if I close my eyes right now, I can see straight rows and little budding plants. I, I don't know. There's a little corner I haven't quite finished yet, but, but, it, but my field is planted. And I, I can promise you that there's going to be a harvest. But the way you get to a harvest is to be faithful in your field. Amen? To be faithful from season to season, moment to moment, so that God might bless your life. Amen? I want you to stand to your feet all throughout the house. Those of you that are watching online, we're going to pray together this morning. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Amen? <laughs> Bible says in Proverbs 24 that sluggards do not plow in season, so at harvest time they look and they find nothing. I want you to raise your hand, and I want you to say this with me. I'm not a sluggard. You are not a sluggard, amen? You can plow in your season so that at harvest time you look and you find everything, amen? If the, if the negative is true, then the positive is true as well. That if we will plow in our season, God is saying there is a harvest coming. Now listen, I don't live in Paris, Texas. I, I, I like your little town, but I don't live here. But I can tell you if I lived here, if this was my field, I'd be faithful in this field. This is a good field, amen? This is a good field. God wants to do great things in unexpected places. He wants to do great things in your life. He knew you would be here. He knew you'd be a part of this church. He knew you'd be a part of this family. He knew you'd be in that marriage. You understand what I'm saying? Nothing surprises our king. There is a reason for your season. Amen? There's a reason for your season. We're in a season right now called the Christmas season. Everybody's just wanting, man, I want to escape and get away from the hard year and all that. Stop being an escape artist. and Start embracing your field. Embracing your moment. I remember three years ago just thinking, God, just you know, call me to one of them other fields, man. I mean, come on, you know, I don't want the one with trees and snakes and rocks and stuff. Call me, you know, give me the one that's planted already. 
if it was easy, everybody would do it, right? You say, how did you write a book, Pastor Doug? Well, just, I don't know, seat, put my butt in a seat, <laughs> sat down and daily and just said, you know, I don't, I don't even know how to do this. And yet the Lord, faithfulness, season to season, amen? And now the harvest is coming. I believe that for you too. So let's pray this. Let's pray it out loud. Dear Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness for not fully embracing the moment you put me in. And I pray that I would be faithful. I pray I would commit to my season. And I would be blessed in this season. Today I give you my life, fresh and new. I give you my heart. I commit to my field. Forgive me for complaining. Help me to talk by faith. Help me to speak about my season like it's going to be beautiful. Because I know it is. You can bring beauty from ashes. And I commit to this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, Father, I pray over this church as I believe and know in my spirit that they are about to go into the greatest season they've ever seen. And I believe, God, that it will be faithfulness in the moment that we will not sit around and say, we'll serve you when it gets better. God, we will be faithful. We will love you with all our strength in this moment. And then we will see a harvest. We believe it and we commit to it. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.